0: Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA number 133 and uh, it's been a cool week. I hope you guys had a great week. The weather where I live is pretty really, it's really good. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to, to, to have good we- weather. Um, so I noticed a bunch of you guys already chatting and talking back and forth and I pinned some questions real fast that I thought were interesting. So I'm going to hit them real fast um timothy just wanted everybody to know he said he just got the guitar center full catalog a uh, holiday catalog he says one photo of a bass and the whole thing and it's not even an ad uh no love for bass players thanks guitar center yeah i i would imagine that uh bass sales at this point for uh non non i don't say boutique but non specialty uh stores where they don't do a special amount of high-end basses or just have a high-end bass clientele, or even a really expensive, or expansive, I should say, bass clientele, yeah, bass sales are, are tough. It's, it's getting to where there's just not as many bass players as there was before. It's just how it works. I think it's because, and I just this is a theory, I think guitar players, I think you can play guitar, you can be a guitar player, and not need to necessarily be in a band. Um, and of course you can say that in any instrument, but I think it's more common that if you're going to play bass, it's because you're going to be in a band. Uh, it's definitely not a rule. There's, there's, there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of bass players that don't play in bands, but you understand what I'm saying. You're just not going to create as many bass players without as many bands. And there's not as many bands as there used to be, or at least it doesn't feel that way. So that could be a reason why you're seeing less marketing towards the bass player. Um other thing that definitely happens uh, tim is that or timothy sorry is that uh there's just bass players don't buy a whole lot of gear i'm a perfect example of that look at all this guitar stuff behind me uh my bass rig is really simple i have a bass amp a bass preamp <laughs> and um i think i have five bases total but but what's sad is i can tell you i play one all the time and then one is a backup and then the other three are just things that have come through, you know, that I, that I decided to like for some reason. So just, um, you know, you don't collect as many bases. mostly. You just don't see a whole lot of that. Guitar players are definitely more, uh, they're purchase crazy than bass players. Some, um, But I will say this, my basses are way more expensive than my guitars are. So I think a bass player will spend more on a bass than a guitar player um, on average. Uh, Simon says, hey, Phil, I got the Sire R7 Acoustic a couple of months back, and now there's a neck bulge that makes the high E string buzz on the 11th to 13th fret. What should I do? That, Simon, is what I call here, we call it here in Arizona, where it's dry and deserty, we call that the 12th fret hump. It is extremely common. It's caused because when the guitar is drying out where the neck meets the body, um, there's just a, a, the way the wood dries, it like pushes up, pushes the fretboard up a little bit, and you get what's called a hump. And a lot of people think it looks like a sink or, a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, like, yeah, it looks like a drop off after the 12 fret. But it's we call it the hump. I, I call it the 12 fret hump because the people that did repairs and, and work before I did called it that. So it's just something that's been around for decades, been called that. Um, how we fix that, I just did two this week because uh, it's real common here. The only way I I, I know to correctively fix it is to level your frets so even though your wood will always have kind of that hump to it the two fixes are to remove the frets plane the fretboard back down and then refret it but most cases 99 percent of the time we don't do that we just actually crown and level the frets and uh, level those uh, frets that are now higher than the rest, that's that's the way it's done. So it's a crown and level job, is what I would expect you're going to have to deal with. The other thing I can tell you is, if it's a reputable brand and you've had it for about five six months, um, some brands will warranty that. And um, you know, I won't argue whether they should or shouldn't. That's that's for the world to figure out, I guess. But I will tell you that if it was me, um, when people bring them to me, anytime they've said like in your case, recently purchased purchased it, especially within a year. A one-year period, I would say, hey, contact the manufacturer or the uh, retailer and see if you can get that under warranty because the crown level is going to be a little pricey, especially for what it is. Um, Michael MC says, "Do you still own a Fender base breaker? No, I didn't own a Fender brace. I haven't owned a Fender brace in two years um and i only owned one i had the Basebreaker seven watt i reviewed the seven watt i reviewed the 15 watt and i reviewed the 45 watt or was the 18 watt i did three of them and um the uh but i i never i never bought any of them besides well i mean i guess i technically bought all of them because i was a dealer for fender when i did those reviews so um that's one thing that was nice about having the shop at the time i would just borrow the gear from the shop and then review it um but that also is what got me in a lot of trouble. Sometimes the companies didn't like my reviews. They really kind of like a, a polished, friendly, smiley review, uh, which I, I'm i usually in a good mood. But, you know, sometimes companies don't like what you have to say. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so I had the 7-Watt. And then I got rid of the 7-Watt because it had a humming sound that I didn't really enjoy. And it was definitely an issue that I had heard a lot of people mention. The um, I don't know if I regret getting rid of the 7-Watt, um, but... It was a good amp and maybe I should have maybe I should have kept it. It's also just it really becomes like there's only so much you're going to keep. That I mean that's just the reality of it. This is my world now of of when you do gear reviews, you know, now I do the channel and then I cuz all the channel I do gear reviews as well. Gear reviews is a different world. I mean, there's just no way I can I, I if you guys followed the channel for since it started, I'd have 150 guitars and I'd have, you know, 70 amplifiers. There's just no way i mean i don't know where i'd physically store it much less you know anything else so um but i still like the base breaker stuff uh i get asked a lot you know wh- whether i'd pick the base breaker over the supersonic which is over there right behind me and um to, to be honest with you i haven't tried i haven't even tried the new Base breaker 30 watt combo i i have i haven't seen one um that I would I, I I, like the way it sounds when I see videos and I liked the uh the uh Basebreaker 15. I just didn't like the whole you either had a distortion channel or a clean channel, you couldn't switch between them. So being that being said, if I had a chance to A B the supersonic against the new Basebreaker 30 watt, I would be curious to see where I'd go. Because I would definitely buy one of them. I already have the supersonic. So if I liked it, I would probably buy it and get rid of the supersonic. Um, you know, when when uh when I buy gear, I gotta kinda figure out you know exactly just like you guys what do i really want and i try not to buy gear just because i'm like oh well the guys would really like it if i reviewed it too i i do that sometimes too but you know it's it's tough um let's see what else do we got um a couple other questions we got frank rizzo says phil why do i feel like the new fender ultra is not ultra uh he's talking about the new fender ultra fender ultra series guitars and basses We'll talk about that. And he says, "I feel like the Green Charvel DK24, which is he's referring to the one I just uh, bought and reviewed. Uh, you did a demo of. Always oh, saying is more ultra. Um, the Fender Ultra guitars. Uh, here is my opinion: not touching them, not seeing them. But uh, you know, this is you know saying this is not my first rodeo. I have uh, been a Fender dealer when products like this have come out. I have obviously you know as a guitar collector, as a guitar." you know, player, you know, obviously, you know, Finner comes out with new stuff every few years. Um, I feel like this was a inevitable thing. They had to move from the, um, what was it called? The, that wasn't the professional series, right? That was the, what did they call it? What did they just get rid of? The ultras replaced the, I I forget what the other ones were called. because they keep changing all the names there's the player series the professional series and then the pro series or whatever no that's the professional series whatever that is we used to be called the deluxes anyways it's getting hard to track all this stuff um when the uh they switched to ebony i I think because of the the issues and now they're switching back to rosewood i'm actually happy that the ultras went back oh elite thank you guys it was the elite um i wasn't a fan of the elite I bought an Elite. This is early on on the channel. I bought a orange Elite uh, Strat. It's a regret I have not reviewing it. I didn't review that guitar. Um, if you guys watch the old videos, I mean, I don't know why you would, but if you guys, you know, have been viewers of the channel for a long time, you remember sometime uh, a couple years ago, there was a, a Elite Orange Elite Strat that just popped up around in my videos, and then it kind of made the rounds, and then it left, and it never got reviewed. And it was just because I, I, didn't, I didn't bond with it, so I didn't review it. Um, and uh, I should have reviewed it. I, there was nothing bad. It just didn't like the way it sounded. And um, the, um, the Ultras, I'm curious to see what changes are made. The one thing I will say, I was shocked. Only because the only thing I was shocked about was when I saw the teasers for the Ultra. And it was all like, we're going to blow your mind. You've never seen this. This is Fender like you've never seen before kind of vibe. And I'm like, wow, that's going to mean stainless steel frets. That's, you know, I saw the new neck heel. And I was like, okay, they're really going to go for it, right? And really, it's I'm curious. It looks exactly like the Deluxe Elite and Ultra. Yeah, see, Brian says it looks like the same guitar. It to me, it looks like the same guitar. So I, a lot of you guys actually emailed me. Thank you for that and saying, "Hey, are you going to get your hands on an Ultra?" And uh, you know, I no, because I I don't uh, I don't think Fender would send one to the channel to review. Uh, if they would, I would definitely do a video for you guys. I would like to, but I have a, a Fender Deluxe Strat that I bought this year that i'm trying to sell so <laughs> so um because i don't like it so i don't know what and i love the color it's burgundy mist i i'm so sad because I, I bought it because of the color but again i just it's like the uh the elite i just am not bonding with the the feel of it um i think for me uh it's just every player is different it's a preference not a quality thing it just really found a, a found a, a, a home with the american professional series of strats i like the way the neck feels i i like the nine and a half inch i don't need the the compound radius i just like everything about it i just like the way it feels i like the way they look um i like the pickups you know i'm just not in the noiseless pickups one of the things about the uh uh elite strat i didn't like was it was noiseless single coils, but here's what it would do: I would plug into an amp, and it was quieter than all my other single coil strats. And I feel like I had to boost it. So, um, uh, the DP 1965 says, "How often do you find yourself selling new gear?" Well, what's funny is before I had the channel, not very often, uh, because you know I would buy a few things and I would keep them. It, it, it's not hard to figure out. I have. Um, 90%. I'm just making that number up. (laughs) I don't know. It sounds good. I don't know. 70%. Uh, you can tell because you can look through the videos. I probably 70% of the gear that I started the channel with, I still have that. Uh, the supersonic behind me, uh, that, that was in my first year of videos. Um, that Nuno behind me, whatever, I can't point. I'm not going to point at stuff. The Nuno behind me, my Copper Strat, my Mira. Um, I mean, you know what I mean? Um, just, just my Marshall Cabinets, uh, my Mesa Mark V Mini. I mean, I have a lot of the stuff that I started the cha- I had when I started the channel. And then I acquired a few things. And then if you notice, like a lot of those things stay. But some stuff, it's like when companies send me stuff to review stuff, that stuff sometimes just has to go back because the company wants it back. Sometimes they just leave it here, which is cool. And um, sometimes I love it, so I, I keep it. And sometimes it's I like it, but I just don't like it as much as something else. So it's gonna go. So that's just how it works. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. It's uh, it's tough to figure out what to keep, what to get rid of. I mean, it's not a, it's not a bad problem to have. But it's you know, realistically, there's only so much space uh, to, to have stuff. Um, I can tell you this. This is the trick. And this is uh, because I get this question a lot. You know, how much gear do I sell? What I can tell you is this. Uh, When I started the channel, I had more guitars than I have now. I had more amps than I have have now. And I had more pedals than I have now. This is the least amount of stuff I've ever had uh, probably in the last 20 years of collecting guitars. Uh, And I don't mean recently. I mean, just as YouTube, because that's what happens as YouTube. I just because I physically have to leave space for stuff to come in to review every month. So, I mean, I physically have space that I de- dedicate to a guitar that literally is just here to for a little while. So. All right. Um, what do we got? Let me go back to some other questions. You guys had a lot uh, real quick. Um, uh, Wes, Wes Mc. Blonahan says, do you think, by the way, a uh, couple things uh, real quick. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing the question marks ahead of time. You know, question marks at the beginning, because that's how I'm nailing the questions faster. It says, do you think, um, where's it at? Do you think cosmetic upgrades like knobs and pick cards affect use guitar value? Nope. They don't help the guitar at all. I don't think they hurt the value of the guitar. Not that I've seen. Sometimes, you know, you could pick something that's a little strange and maybe it's all hard to sell, but for the most part, uh, it doesn't hurt the value, but sadly enough, you don't get your money back out. Um, if you upgrade the knobs, cosmetics, something that I like to do a lot. I'm, a, I'm definitely a knob switcher, <laughs> for sure. Uh, a lot of the guitars, I swap the knobs, not only for cosmetics, but mostly just because I prefer plastic knobs with numbers versus, you know, metal knobs. Um, and so I'll swap them. Most people are the opposite. I would say if you took a poll of 10 guitar players, average uh, Joe guitar players, I'm the minority in this. The swap Pulling the metal knobs off to put the plastic ones on is definitely not common. Everybody's usually pulling plastic ones off to put the nicer knobs on. So, um, okay, what else do we got? We got a super chat. Hold on, let me grab that. And hold on, give me a second. I got it over here on another screen, and it's from Doug Luke, Douglas Bishop, and he says, "Have you tried the JHS Bonsai? It's a nine-way TS uh, tube screamer." I have not tried it. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things, um, and I think I got, I got asked this before a couple weeks ago, and it was uh, I said this, I'll say the same thing I said then. Um, if I didn't have like a half a dozen tube screamers already, I would have definitely bought it. Um, I just don't see the point right now of selling my like, tube screamers off and buying that one, although so what I can tell you from what I can tell from everybody who's tried it and, and, and my friends who have it, I can, I could say that it, I could see that if you're going to get a tube screamer, that's probably a smart way to go because you could get it and have all the tube screamers you want. seems smart. So it's really, I, I will say this, the best thing I can say about that pedal, it's the pedal that Ivan should have made. It would have really like, you know what I mean? That would have really, they would have killed with that. I mean, he's killing with it now too, but I mean, they would really would have killed with it because it would have really put, you know, it's like the greatest hits album of your, of your pedals. <laughs> so why buy it? Why buy 10 albums? if You can buy the greatest hits, I guess. Um, uh, Jeremy C says, Phil, have you ever sold a guitar that you wanted to gel with and you didn't somehow? And uh, wait, that you wanted to gel with that you didn't to someone who made it their main axe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's happened uh, for sure. Uh, that's actually, so, you know, that's happened me to me more, uh, friends or people I know will sell me a guitar that they don't like, and I love it. It becomes like my main guitar. Uh, that's happened. But, um, but yeah, of course. Um, yes. In fact, uh, my best story on that, Jeremy, is I have a really, uh, a really, uh, a funny one. Um, I had this Gretsch guitar and I loved it. It was, uh, and, uh, basically I learned a lesson. Here's the lesson I learned. Um, I wasn't gelling with it, but I really liked it, but I didn't like it. You know, that's what happens, right? You having this, you know, love, hate relationship with this guitar. And I sold it to a friend who that friend at the, at the time worked for me. So what happened was what I didn't anticipate that happened, happened was every week he would bring it to, cause he teaches, he would bring it to work and use it. And so I sold it and I kept seeing it and seeing it. And it was the first time I ever kind of had that experience where, you know, you, sometimes when you sell guitars, it's cause to go away, and you never see it again. This one just kept coming back. And so what I did was I bought another one and that one wasn't as nice as the first one. It just didn't, it didn't have the mojo. So yeah. So yeah, there's all kinds of scenarios like that. The, uh, like I like I say a lot on the on the videos, and I'll say here too. Sadly enough, I wish I didn't say this. I wish I could. For me personally, I didn't have to say this. But a lot of the stuff that you guys ask me, and I tell you, it's not theories. It's just stupid stuff I've done. So please learn from that. I've bought and rebought stuff. And it's just and and because, like I said, because I had a store for fourteen years. Uh, you know, I know that you guys are just as bad as me sometimes. <laughs> You know, a funny. I'll tell you a funny story just came up. My wife and I's anniversary was yesterday, 21 years of marriage. And um, what's funny was my wife uh, made a jo- joke or comment uh, just recently within the last couple months, and it was a great comment, I, I something I didn't know. She said, when I opened the store, she always, because she's known me since I was 13, she always thought I was strange or y- unique in how crazy I was for guitar. And uh, she said, I always thought that. And then when he opened the store, she's like, I realized in the first week that there are just hundreds of dudes just like him. (laughs) She said, I had no idea that there was multiples of Phil everywhere. (laughs) And she's like, and that's what would come in the store. It was more people like Phil. It was just like these guys that just think about guitar all the time. So thank you for all the congratulations. Yep. Uh, My joke was my, my wedding, my wedding, my marriage is now legal to drink. (laughs) So, um, there you go. Uh, but I thank you guys so much for the congratulations. Like I said, it's uh it's cool. 21 years is a is, is big deal, man. It feels good. Um Let's see. Uh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I just want to grab the other screen. I'm I'm and I'm pushing the wrong button. That's why I'm sitting here for a second. Here we go. Uh, I didn't want to miss Fred. Fred uh, did a super chat. Said Fred Dotchel says, "What's your favorite tube amp for punk rock metal?" Wow, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, it's weird. I I don't I don't think a, you know punk rock metal for me. I have a different opinion about it. It's not like I'm trying to when I play because I love punk rock. Um, uh, to me, it's like. Uh, you can use a dual rectifier, you can use the 5150. Um, you can use a Marshall. I don't know if I, I would really feel like I have a great answer for that one. Um, I can tell you this if it helps, if I was gonna play in a punk rock band tomorrow, what of my amps would I take with me? I would probably take uh my Mark V Mini. I feel like it would probably be loud enough and I could probably I could probably rock that. Um and it's definitely got the 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 game. You know what I mean? It's cool. I dig it. So um, but if I was going to stay in a punk rock band, I might try to find myself a nice used 50-watt Mesa Boogie uh, wreck. So, Dark to fire. And that's mostly because my one of my favorite bands is Bowling for Soup, and they play Mesa Boogies, and I love their sound. Uh, Hogler Hops says, Is it true that Mesa, he means Mesa Boogie, is not interested in YouTube product reviews? Um... I, I mean, who knows? I saw Fluff do a bunch of Mesa Boogie stuff. I'm going to say yes and no, because I've seen Jared Dines and, and Fluff do Mesa Boogie products. And actually, I was really happy to see that because, um, you know, I had reached out in the past when I had 70,000 subscribers, which is a different, you know, channel, I guess. Uh, when I had 70,000 subscribers, I, I reached out to Mesa Boogie and asked if they were interested in doing some videos. And they were not um, interested in having me do videos. They don't go to the NAMM, so my. I said, hey, I'm going to be in town for Nam. Can I stop by and just check out some gear and film some videos? They weren't interested. Um, And that's a prerogative. You know what I mean? You can't hold that against them. Uh, Mesa Boogie might want to control this, you know, control, not control like what people say, but control what's said about their products and the idea of the marketing message. One of the things that's, that's, that's scary is you know everybody goes right to the truth and the dishonesty of it you know like oh companies are afraid of youtubers but it's realistically you got to understand too it gets a little tricky you know guitar this is this is a reality of 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 the environment we have right now which is youtubers are becoming besides rock stars i mean which are you know that's a different kind of thing youtubers are becoming the biggest platform for our industry and what i mean by that is Coca-Cola, sure, they could promote through YouTube and they can promote through YouTubers and Instagrammers, but they're going to promote through billboards and commercials and product endorsements and movies. And there's all these avenues for marketing that a company that size can do. Our industry, like Mesa Boogie, they're going to promote through Guitar World magazines, you know, magazines, Nam shows, you know, tr- you know, trade shows, uh, their dealer network. And that's about it. They don't do radio ads. They don't do billboards. They don't do movie placements. They're not taking out a commercial at the, at the uh, halftime show. (laughs) So realistically, it is a tricky thing because um, the YouTubers, if you give 20 YouTubers your product and they come up with 20 different totally conclusions of what your product is, it's hard to have a a consistent message for your in consumer. And what happens if it's not the message that you want? Um, So, it is a scarier thing you know what i mean out there so uh to answer the question my understanding is that they really don't work with youtubers i don't know like i said i've seen them work with a couple and i was happy that happened but um but on that note uh you know i can understand their logic too you know what i mean i try to come at it with both sides yeah it's it's not a it's not as easy as hey they should let me you know promote product for them um the, the the reality is I already did because I play Mesa Boogies I just mentioned I like Mesa Boogie so they're already getting product market and maybe that's what their logic is maybe they're focused on making good products and people who like it will talk about it let's let's be very clear on this there's a ton of brands that on my channel that I promote they don't have never even talked to me they don't care because they know they're smart everybody likes their stuff you know what I mean so I mean that's what happens when pro- some products are good that's they don't need to Need to work it as hard. Um, I don't know. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I'm always, I always, you know, I never know what to say when it comes to that stuff. Um, I'm just uh, out want to work with me, trying not to um, get giddy. <laughs> It's like I work so hard. And sometimes I feel like when a company reaches out and says, Hey, do you want to, you know what I mean? Hey, would you promote this product for us? Like, a, uh, uh, a, a, you know, a, a especially, a, I mean, what are products that I've been reviewing already for years? When all of a sudden they're like, Hey, would you like to review one or check one out? You're like, really? This is great. You know what I mean? Like, you know, do you actually watch what I do? It's cool. So it's, it's, it's kind of a cool feeling. Um, and then I have to kind of temper myself because otherwise I come across too fanboyish in the videos and you guys are like, Oh, he's so happy. You know, he loves this product too much. And I'm like, that's eh, cause I like the product and they were cool. Uh, Justin says, Phil, uh, thanks Phil. Here's, uh, for an extra minute. Oh man. Thanks man. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for the super chat. And, um, let's see, uh, let's find another one. Some of the questions, hold on. And like I said, for you guys know, if you have a question, just put the question marks in the front. It makes it easier for me to see if it's a question or if you guys are just chatting back and forth. Um, And hold on a second. There's 600 of us, so it's kind of moving a little fast. Uh. uh so here's this funny so here's a great comment it's uh baptized says recently strandberg launched their bowden base on every base youtube channel suddenly there was 10 reviews of it pretty annoying that's always a question i have do you guys like it when you know there's this mass push out um i've talked about this in the past and i always it's here's what i've experienced so i'm curious to see what i say what you guys say now when you guys put comments 50 50 half you guys seem to like it and half you guys seem to hate it so i'm telling you that so you guys are aware of that i am very aware of the fact that after talking to you guys many times and and questioning it like i am now i'm curious to see how it you know goes this time but the last couple times it's always 50 50 half you guys love the blast because you like the idea that you can pick and choose which channels uh have the have the product review and some of you guys hate it because it feels like a marketing thing so the uh the the uh the Strandberg Bowden bass. I got to play one at TGU and it was amazing. Amazing. I love that bass so much. Um, I tried to review it. I took it into a room and what happened was there was a scheduling snafu and I wasn't able to record the video of it. So I had to go back and bring it back to the stand and I didn't get to review it. Um, I was, I would totally want to review it. Um, I was, of course I had sticker shock. It's three grand and I just sat there and you know, it's three grand. I mean, you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, I I don't know. You know, I I think it's I think that's uh, I think when we have sticker shock, I, I like to call it sticker shock. When you look at something and you're like, it's great, but you know, really that price, it's because I don't have three grand to throw on a base. You know, what I mean, I have a base. You know, what I mean, if I was going to buy one base, when I pick that one, I don't know, maybe. And if I did, then the price would be justifiable. But like you guys heard earlier, I have a couple bases, and I have I have bases I love, and but man it was nice that was a nice base i was really impressed um it's one of those bases you pick up and you go wow that's really good (laughs) it just felt really cool Felt quality it's made in indonesia i know that's a factor too um, and of course don't don't think that didn't register in my head you know what I mean you have to think like that but I try to go back I try to be open-minded about it and I also try to be smart about it and, and, and try to use both sides of your brain your emotional side and your logical side because of that thing. I've experienced this some of us are, are, are older who have experienced when the Japanese guitars you know it's like why would you pay you know the same price for a Japanese guitar and now we do um, so the Indonesian guitars trust me I don't want to pay high dollar money for Indonesian guitars but I, I can't also you know ignore the fact that i have some indonesian guitars now that are just sick they're just amazing so today i was playing guitar and it was funny um the one i picked up was this one this Ibanez uh indonesian premium guitar um you know and, and obviously these are the guitars behind me and this is an interesting thing because you know there's some really nice guitars behind me and i picked that guitar up and i started playing it for hours and it was just it's weird to see that you just play these you know that that guitar rates with these other high-end guitars that I love. Uh, let's see. Zach gave me 10 bucks for a haircut. Zach, that is gonna go right in my pocket because um yeah, I do my own haircuts. <laughs> um, and I can tell you right now, uh, my son, I, I think I, I don't know what to have to ask my wife. I'm pretty sure I don't pay for my son's haircuts anymore. You know what I mean? I think he pays for his own haircuts now. Uh, but what I can tell you is I have no idea what the going rate for a haircut is. <laughs> Serious, that's, I don't know, man. I've been shaving my head forever. Well, let me put it this way. I've been shaving my head for, oh, two decades. It's a while. So at this point, you get out of touch. Um, but thank you. I'll use it for something else. <laughs> uh, Reggie. Uh, hey, Reggie. And he just had it. happy anniversary, two beverages on me. Thank you, Reggie. I appreciate you uh, very much, man. That's really cool. Okay. So let's get some and hold on. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just reading some questions real quick. Okay. Randall, I'm reading Randall's. Randall Vandergriff says, Hey, Phil, finally got my Samick made Jupiter reissue. Okay. Uh, thinnest guitar I own feels expensive, but it was $550 new. What guitars are cheap or medium price, but feel like expensive high-end guitars? Oh, that's a good question. You know, it's re- that's a really interesting uh, question in the idea, because what I find is he's his question is very specific. If you listen, he's saying what guitars feel expensive, not feel good. And, I, and what's funny is I actually maybe some of you guys probably won't relate to this but i'll tell you something that i think that i feel sometimes i can feel a guitar and i go this feels good like like uh the solar guitar behind me which is right there this uh solar by older england that guitar is made in indonesia that guitar is very nice it's like a six seven hundred dollar guitar but it feels really good but i would never use the word expensive to explain it to somebody Isn't that weird? Like if somebody says, what do you think of it? I go, it's great. They go, is there any problems with it? No, it's flawless that, you know, it's, it's, I could play it anywhere. It sounds great. It feels great. It's, it's fit and finished perfectly, but I don't know if I would use the word expensive. Do you guys find that that's something that you guys can relate to? I, I have picked up guitars and literally for some reason they felt expensive. Um, And it's weird how that's an, I think that's an emotional reaction. I don't think that's a real reaction because I don't know how you can feel the price of something, but, but I definitely understand what you're saying is he's saying he's got a $550 guitar. It feels like a much, much better guitar than it, than it is. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what guitars that I, that I can relate to in my collection. I'm looking over there in my rack. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's tough. I don't know. I don't know. I wish I had an answer for you, but I I love the idea of the question. I would really like to hear people's comments in the videos when this repost of a guitar you think that feels expensive. You know what I mean? Um, I can tell you a guitar I used to think that way about. And it's funny, because that's how perception works. When Schechter guitars first came out, the the new ones, the Korean ones, like 2001 is when I remember them kind of kicking, right? early 2000s. And it was probably earlier than that, but that's what I remember walking to the Guitar Center. I remember that was a guitar when I picked it up and I felt like, this guitar feels expensive. And now, even though I love them and they feel great, I don't think of them as expensive. I think it's the psychological thing has changed. The emotional reaction changed. They feel quality, they still feel expensive. And funny enough, they basically are expensive now because it's like a thousand bucks for one of those things. <laughs> so it's, it's, that's not short money, man. That's, that's good. Um, here, Eerie uh, R says, in my, uh, MO, IMO is that in my opinion, in my opinion, Phil, quality equals expensive. Yeah. It, it's interesting. It, see, and I think that makes sense to most people. But I have, here's what I mean by that I've picked up guitars that are handmade. Okay. And they were not, perfect but they felt expensive because i don't know they just had a weird feel to them i don't know it's a weird thing i wish i could this is one of those things i'll definitely be thinking about this week we'll probably talk about next week so uh james wants everybody to know schecter makes great guitars i agree i definitely agree i would say i've said this before i'll say it again schecter is a brand that when i think of them when people ask me especially when people ask me without any qualifiers like i can't you know they won't ask me they won't tell me what model what they're looking for if i had if somebody's like what brand's a good guitar if i go buy a brand today i always say schecter because i feel like um nine out of ten of them are going to be good I feel that way. I've always felt that way since I've been dealing with the Schechter brand as a dealer, now dealing with them as a consumer again. It's really cool. Working on them, They great. You know what I mean? I mean, um, when you work on guitars, you definitely can figure out what brands are very inconsistent. Epiphone is a great brand, and it's not very consistent. Neither is Squire, by the way. Um, these are things that usually launch trolls into fits of rage on the keyboard, but I'm sorry. I have picked up, and I don't mean like a $100 Squire is not as quality as a $500 Squire. I mean, literally, squ- guitars that pump out high volumes that I think just by definition cannot QA the same way as the smaller batch of guitars. And so you know, schecter is nowhere near the size of, of, of Epiphone and Squire. So that's probably part of the power of that, like I said, is that they can QA that stuff. Um, QA is QA is to me, the biggest thing, because a company can make, when when somebody says, when, or actually it's not somebody, when I say, when I say, oh, this guitar brand is good. I think what I'm always trying to say is, look, th- what if a guitar brand told me tomorrow, hey, for every thousand guitars we make, we make a thousand bad ones. So 50% of their guitars are crap, but they filter them all out and you only get the thousand good ones. Without that, you know, all I would say is their guitars are amazing because they filter all the bad ones. I think QA is the most important thing. Companies being able to stop the bad ones from getting to our hands is how we uh, learn to ha- to have brand loyalties. So that's what brings brand loyalty to to uh, Schecter for me. Is I think that they have a low amount of defective product that they present to the customer or subpar product. I don't want to say defective, just subpar, just stuff I don't, you know, I don't think is awesome. Uh, brain says, Hey Phil, any ideas for a tube rattle on HRDX?" Um, yeah, there's a, there's a video I did, uh, tube, you know, to, to do, to, uh, take a wooden stick and tap on the tubes. That's a good way to see if you have a microphonic tube or a bad tube. Sometimes they resonate in there. They rattle. Um, you got to make sure also, uh, I'm trying to think, cause you're talking about the hot rod deluxe. So I'm trying to think all the things that, you know, first thing I can tell you, uh, Braden is I love the Hot Rod Deluxe and I hate Groove Tubes. It's just a weird thing. The Groove Tubes for some reason seem to be the most problematic. So um, I, I will tell you this, if you have original Groove, if you have a Hot Rod Deluxe and you have Groove Tubes in it, uh, I'm not telling you retube your amp. There's no reason to do that. But just be, just go through and 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 um, on your preamp tubes, it's simple, get a good preamp tube and then one for one switch them until you uh, you find that you've solved the issue. You found the one that's, that's causing the rattle. Um, on the power tubes, that's tough because you're going to have to replace the power tubes. But uh, a rattling tube is very frustrating, it's, and uh, and it's really common with fender amps. And I'm trying to think of any other tricks I know besides really just tapping on them with a wooden stick, <laughs> which is what I did in the video. Um, that really is to test microphonic tubes. But trust me, the rattling ones kind of find their way of of, of kind of figuring out which ones are there. But um, my problem is it's you know, a lot of times it's not the preamp tubes when it's a rattle. So it so might be your power tubes. Okay. Um you guys are so funny. Okay, let's see. Oh, uh the humorous elf22 says, what do you think about Marshall MG hashtags stacks? I haven't played one in a Forever, when i say forever at least i'll say five years it's probably been three uh mg half stacks um you know i like them (laughs) because what i've figured out from my ear which is why i think i like the katana i tend to there's a there's a certain frequency in digital that drives me crazy it's it's hard to explain it's, it's kind of, and so, you know, when I mean digital, I don't mean talk about amps, I'm talking about the phone. When I talk on my phone, when I'm talking to somebody, there's a certain frequency in digital sound that I just don't like when, whenever I can detect it. Now, of course, you know, everybody, you can't detect everything all the time. No one's that, no one's that good. But You can hear it sometimes. It's like a, you know, it's like, it's, to me, it's like CGI in movies. And when it's good, you can't detect it. But all of a sudden you see it and you go, "Eh, that doesn't, that doesn't look right. It's how I hear it too. And so what I basically, I used to be, you know, like everybody else 20 years ago, like tube is better than solid state. And now I'm like, uh, no, solid state is better than digital. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um who knows but i really do feel that way so the mg stuff i dig because the tra- it has a transistor sound to me but actually but that's okay because it's there's a certain feeling or sound that i like about a tube amp and how it kind of sounds and moves with you it's kind of very organic but to be honest with you i, I could plug into a rolling cube or a katana or an mg and uh and get a lot of tones that I like out of it, especially if I'm just trying to get a certain sound that I can just get through, right? Just play a couple songs or play a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm not like being a tone uh, nerd. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm really happy with it, but I just not a big fan of the digital stuff. I'm trying, I'm trying and trying. And I, and I will say this, a lot of you guys like the Helix and the Axe effects and all that stuff. And I will say this, those by far seem to be far superior and I am enjoying messing with those, but, Um, There's just something about the transistor sound that I prefer to the digital sound um, as a whole. So the MG stuff is transistor. I like it. Um, Oh, also, I should point this out, too. Something else I've learned with transistor amps for me. Bigger cabinets uh, tend to, I like them better as well, too. Because one of the parts about transistor, it's a little brighter to me. And the bigger cabinets kind of warm that up. So it's so Uh, Music Theory Laz says, Phil, what do you think of the Blackstar HD Studio 20 uh, as an all-around pedal platform for small gig amp? Uh, Seen several under $300 at at GC lately. Uh, They're all two. Yeah, the the Studio 20. um, The funny thing about that, and I like it there when 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 i tried this the uh, black star amps there was a studio 20 this the studio five ht20 ht5 ht1 ht i'm saying ht every time ht1 was my favorite which i've said this over and over again and there's just something about the ht1 i liked more than the other ones it's just really nice but uh that being said i thought the 20 and the 5 were great i really like black star that's a that's a, that's a thing. I think I did a video, right? I did a video like two years ago where I was like a Schecter through a black star versus a PRS through a, a Mason boogie. And that's why I did that. Um, I, I, I really do uh, the, the, this is before when I started the channel, I didn't do the conversations like we do now. Sometimes these are what's cool about a live show. You can talk about stuff like this. Um, I loved my Schecter through my black star amp and I was really happy and I played it every day. And I did what sometimes we do, which is called gear math, right? Let me explain gear math to you if you don't know what it is. Gear math says that if a Schechter guitar through a Blackstar amp sounds good, then a PRS through a Mesa Boogie sounds better. That's gear math. Gear math is if a Seymour Duncan uh, uh, or a Seymour uh, designed pickup sounds good, then a Seymour Duncan sounds better. It's literally everything is uh exponentially if you spend just a little bit more you get a little more and better and not and what's funny about gear math is it's not like oh i hate this and i got to find something that's better it's literally you're content this is a disorder gear math disorder worse than gas gear math disorder Uh, is literally this idea that everything, once you're happy and you love something, then the the gear math greed comes in and says, I can get 10% better sound if I go this route. And and I've warned you guys about this uh, in past live shows where I said, it's hard to go down. I really, really want a lot of you uh, younger collectors out there. And I, I mean, younger also by age and by how long you've been collecting. To be aware of this. You will keep chasing this gear all the way up to the top. (laughs) And what happens is when you get to a certain peak and everybody hits a different peak, it doesn't matter what it is. It's all relative, right? Whether you end up at a private stock PRS or some crazy uh, Gibson Les Paul that's crazy priced, or if you end up just at a high-end Epiphone, it doesn't matter. Wherever your peak is, when you hit that, you will realize that probably two steps below you were happy and you were fine, but it's hard to sell off that gear and then walk back down a little bit. Sometimes you do it, but it's tough. So uh Gear Math says that basically uh I can always get a little better if I spend a little more. And and I don't mean like before you even try it, I mean once you have it. And so so back to your question about the age, of the Studio 20. I can tell you that if I have a Schechter and a Studio 20, I could play all week, all day, I could gig with my buddies, I would be totally happy. Um, and I one day I just went from Blackstar to Mason Boogie Mini Heads. And I just don't see the point of stepping down at this point, right? Because here's what happens: the re- I already know what's going to happen. This is why you can't step down. So you know it's not psychological; it's gear math. Let me explain it. If I sell my Mesa Boogie Mark Five Twenty Five, I would get a thousand to eleven hundred bucks for it. I could buy, like you said, I could buy that amp for three hundred bucks, and I'll have I'll have seven hundred bucks in my pocket. Well, what do you think I'm going to do with that? I'm going to buy other gear. <laughs> so I'm just gonna, so then I go. Well, now instead of having the Mesa Boogie. I'll have a black star and other crap so that's why it's hard to go down so sometimes save your money and stop when you're happy that is an experience i wish i could pass on to you guys uh and there you go that's gear math <laughs> and then uh Gitbox Six String says, my solution to gear math is I can get more if I spend less per item uh, like buying gear. You know, exactly. You know, it's funny. Gear math works. So, you know, I've seen the gear math work all kinds of ways with all kinds of personalities. Um, and yeah, and there's no wrong way, you know, only, only the internet loves to be quantified. You know, everything's going to be quantified and everybody's going to judge you for what you do. The reality is, man, we're all just trying to have good time and, uh, and be responsible and spend money with responsibly." Uh, so, um, let's see. What else do we got? You guys got some good questions. I'm having fun today. hope you guys are having fun. Um, oh, David Munez says, hey, Phil, uh, how are you? I'm good. David says, uh, good to see you. Have you ever tried a Fender, uh, road Worn strat? Oh yeah. Yeah. Many, many of them. Um, and, uh, here's what I will tell you about road Worn strats. Um, uh justin mabe who's a patron of the channel longtime patron and and just a cool guy you guys see him on the channel time he bought one he reached out to me once this is about a year ago and said what do you think of them And i told him i said i love them um the uh the road Warns are really really good guitars um i don't know why i don't own one it's just a strange thing just never never lined up in the stars i can tell you this though there was one i was gonna buy and my buddy bought it <laughs> and uh it happens right you guys that maybe have been in that experience right where you're like i think i'm gonna get this and he's like "Ah, i was gonna get it i'm like okay you get it (laughs) and he got it and uh and then you know and then that just i didn't do it um but he still has it to this day so i'm sure if he ever sold it i'm sure he'd sell it to me but um uh but uh what i was gonna say was i really like those guitars um in fact they kind of what makes it hard for me to to realize the expense ones when we did the uh the video at gear street 42 and we let uh you know the the the, are you a poser because you have a uh, a relic guitar which i love that video because you know i'm a poser isn't that funny like i um you know uh we edited it out for time frame but there was a part of that video we had it out where we talked about artist guitars and i have a bunch of artist guitars and glenn of course thought you know artist guitars were posers too but i don't think there's anything wrong with that man I, i i really have no problem with with being a hobbyist or enjoying this. I mean, this this world is sharing the fun we have. So I don't understand the, the whole, you know, again, the quantifiable internet likes to quantify things. You have to be this, you're a professional guitar player that you're this, you're that. Um, You know what I mean? I work in this industry. I make a living from it. I don't have to, you know, it's um, it's, I still do it because it's joy. I don't, you know what I mean? I wouldn't, I didn't pick this industry for the, for the fame and fortune. (laughs) Um, So anyways, uh my point is I really like the uh, Roadworn guitars and um I really probably should look back at them again uh especially the tellies I think I want a telly uh Roadworn. So <laughs> Pablo I'm going to answer your question. Pablo 9364 said is hinting normal when he is not on camera. Hinning is uh is the same off camera is on camera which is he's very strange. But however, there is uh, there's a problem. I can tell you, and I, I, I feel this way about me. I could be wrong, okay? Uh, I feel like one thing on my channel is I'm very sarcastic, and on my channel I'm not. It doesn't come across. I don't I, I don't do it on my channel because it doesn't come across. So if somebody said, "Hey, are you like how you are on your channel?" Um, people meet me all the time and constantly are telling me like, Oh my goodness, you're just like you are in channel. Cause I'm, I'm in a, in a good mood or, and I love gear and all these things that I do on the channel come across. One thing that doesn't come across is I'm very, very sarcastic. Um, uh, my kids hate it. <laughs> uh, they learn to deal with it, but it's, it's an, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a jokester. Let's just say that. Um, so that's an element that's, not on my channel. And Henning's uh, channel, what I can tell you from hanging out with him many times and his channel is there is a kindness and a humbleness to him that is definitely not on his channel. <laughs> so that's just part of his personality for some reason just doesn't do on the channel. He's he's more of the outspoken part of his personality on the channel. And that's just how it works. Everybody's, I, I, you know, I don't know how you're going to capture 100% of your personality on a channel. There's just no way. So there you go. That's my two cents. Um, uh so a uh, bus band says you're similar funny eh, as f in real life yeah i i am uh i yes thank you uh i am told a lot that people say when they hang out with me or meet me i, I know for the channel that again they say i'm very similar to the channel just uh, a little funnier and more, yeah more sarcasm. sarcasm is what i call funny yeah because i'm f- funny sarcastic my wife says I need to figure out how to put it on the channel. The problem is, is that I've experimented with it in small amounts on the channel, and sometimes you guys don't read it right, and it comes weird. Everybody's like, I you definitely seemed upset," and they just don't get that's that's just a part of my personality that's not on the channel, um, which is I'm very kind of sarcastic about stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, um, let's see. Uh, my, Mitchell says. I'm going to do it. He says, cake or pie? I don't know why I'm going to answer this question, but the only reason I want to do it is because neither. Cookies, man. Cookies. (laughs) So uh, the uh, cookies are the best. (laughs) Um, Okay, what else do we got? Let's hit some more questions. Um, Okay, Martin's got a question. It says, along the lines of gear math, how do you explain to someone who's a beginner that he's spending way too much money on expensive gear which will not make him better player. Martin, that's a great, great question. In fact, you know, this is an age thing too, by the way. Not always, but let me explain a a thing that I've noticed uh, through the store and then through friends, and these are things that I kind of learned in retail uh, when it comes to this problem. There is a benefit to learning guitar when you're young. Not only when you're younger, you'll learn faster, and of course, everything's you know easier to digest, and you you know your fingers are limber, and you can just play guitar. But sometimes the financial restrictions are your best friends. That's something that people don't kind of re- remind you that uh, you know all these videos about what guitar is the best guitar for a hundred bucks or five hundred dollars, and we do these videos, and this is important. But realistically, don't I always tell people don't stress it too much because financial restrictions sometimes are a good thing. They're a good thing in the beginning sometimes because like you're talking about, I have uh, a buddy and I'll pick on him because I, I love him dearly. And, you know, he's a guy who, who took up guitar in his fifties and he should have took up expensive sports cars, <laughs> right? I'm talking about his, you know, cause he owns a bunch of businesses. So my point of the story is, is uh, yes, he's that guy. He literally uh, starts guitar with a dozen, half a dozen, ten thousand dollar esque kind of kind of guitars, um, and God bless them, you know, right for having the money and and doing well and, and achieving that in life. You know, sometimes we don't champion people for for doing well. We should always do that, um, uh, unless they're a jerk. Maybe I don't know. Now uh, even then, maybe give them a little uh, champion because again, it's it's uh, if you you should never be jealous of somebody. Just aspire to it. It's a be- much much better way to live through life. I promise you. Um, but what I was going to say was it became a hindrance because the same thing he's, he's not focused. So to, to answer your question, uh, how do you explain to someone as a beginner that spending way too much money is, uh, it's not a big deal that they're spending too much money. If they have money and they can spend it, that's on them. That's, you know, that's their thing. But what I get to the core of your question, which I think is important is, you know, I, this is what I do. I remind people that if uh, you don't have a financial restriction, lessons man spend the money in learning you know what i mean in fact don't here's what's great do do the do the math uh, uh of it this way if you spent if somebody said i'm going to buy a 200 guitar and a 200 amplifier i'm going to start playing guitar i'm like okay those are good price points you can get yourself like a 199 katana and get yourself a. we just did a tajima on the marty schwartz channel we did the house hunters as a guitar hunters i love that uh, video that they did, uh, and $200 guitar. That's how I fell in love with the Dajima brand is because we were found them in that store. And, um, and, uh, anyways, you know, that's a good price, but you need lessons. So $400 in product, you should do about a thousand dollars in lessons. That would be the math. So if you're spending $4,000 product and you're not even spending any lessons, you see where the math's wrong. You should definitely be investing in, in, in playing and improving. So. You know, everybody says like the tone is in your hands I don't really believe that I think techniques in your hands Um, and obviously technique makes tone Uh, and the reason I say it that way is because uh, you know Tone is to me distortion is a tone and clean is a tone and I can't make distortion I can't make clean with my hands, but I obviously understand what people are saying What people are saying when tone is your hands is don't forget it starts here It does you have to learn to play a little bit and uh But also on that other hand, I don't subscribe to the idea because you can't play. You can't have nice stuff. If You can afford nice stuff. You get nice stuff. I hate to say it. That's the lay the, this is why everybody who has a nice car can't drive for some reason around the road. Right. You guys are frustrated too. The person in front of you with a really nice car that just cuts you off. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you can't go that way. Um, David says, uh, hey, Phil, speaking of lessons, guitar center or online, um, you know, here's what I will tell you about lessons in my theory on lessons is real simple. It's easy. Um, I don't look at them. I look at them just easy. Ready? Here's how it works. One on one lessons are the best. Classes are not as good as one on one lessons, but they're very effective. Uh, interactive lesson programs with computers and uh, you know interaction tablet software and stuff is not as good as classes, but still very good. And if you can't afford that, then lesson programs like where you buy a lesson program, video program, and there's books and videos are 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 not as good as the the next tier, but still very good. And if you can't afford that, free lessons on YouTube are not as good as the you know those, but again, so I look at it as that's not an issue of what's good. It's you. Pick the tier you can afford and go for it. If you can afford one-on-one lessons, do it. It's no one ever—I don't know—say no one. (laughs) I know you don't hear too many people say, "I took three years of guitar lessons, and boy, do I regret it." You know what I mean? It's just that you don't hear that as much. You know what I mean? You're going to hear most people say, "You know, hey, I tried it," and and think of it this way. Sometimes I I like it even if you fail because what I've always said is if you if you try your hardest and you fail, you've tried your hardest. And now you're going to appreciate it. You know, I, I I say this when people, when their kids start playing guitar, they go, well, what if we put all this money in and they don't end up playing guitar? And I go, well, then they'll appreciate really good guitar players the rest of life, won't they? They'll go, wow, that, that, that person is really good. I know because I tried and I couldn't even get any close to that in the way it sounds. That's how I appreciate guitar players. I think that, I think there's 719 of us watching right now. And I think most of us can identify with the fact that when you hear a really good guitar player, what really makes them sound good is the fact that you can't. You can't do it. Uh, it's a different appreciation than just the average person. You you can appreciate not only the music of it, but the technique and skill and the work that went into it. it. It literally you see the 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 you can hear. Actually, what's funny is I think this is a great way. When I hear a really amazing guitar player, I not only hear the great playing, but I hear the hours and hours of practice. I hear it. You're like man. You know what I mean? That's because like, I'm like eh, maybe I should maybe maybe I. Uh, Maybe I should practice more. Um, Brad Hewitt. Hey, Hewitt. Sorry, Brad. Brad Hewitt says, tip jar for the cause. Uh, is the cause me? <laughs> Any word on the PRS Artist Set 1992? Um, no, I did not hear anything, but Brad, I will do this for sure. Because otherwise, I will. Okay, hold on a second and make you guys wait while I do this real quick. Hold on. I am, I am like, <laughs> I just took a picture of your thing and I'm sending it to follow up because, hold on a second. And sending it. OK, cool. And I will I will follow up. I will make sure. Thank you. Um, OK, uh, where are we at? I thought something else popped up on my screen too when I was looking down. Uh Jason Schaefer says technique and fill is what makes a great guitar player. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We all said it. we all we all seen it. We all say it, we all seen it. You know, right? You could take a great guitar player player on really basic or cheap gear and they sound great. I don't argue that at all. That makes total sense, <laughs> right? Um, gear chasing, I my argument has actually always been the same argument when I when I have met or interacted with these professional level guitar players, whether it's because of the past of you know being in the industry for other reasons or being now on YouTube, or whatever the reason is, when I interact with them, um, what I've learned is is that they they have expensive gear sometimes because there's a passion for the tone and all that stuff. But a lot of times, they're just regular guys that and gals. But they're regular people who basically like, yeah, I can play and I play music, but I also like to collect less balls. <laughs> You know what I mean? They, that's what I said. Um, sometimes when we see rock stars with 50 guitars, we go, well, they have them because they make music. But when you talk to them, they flat out say, well, I only play three. <laughs> Just so, I don't know. Uh, Tony guyborn Gibor- I'm going to say the name right, Tony. Tony Goyburn. I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right. Right, Goyburn? Okay. Yep, with an R in there. Uh, Are you going to do a Harley Benton bass review? Yeah, yeah, I already did it. So... Um, I have been nonstop working every day uh, making videos, and um, it was tough because I was redoing the studio. You'll see in the new videos. Um, I put out one video this week, and I was going to put out more, but um, I think I've talked about this before. the, I, I, I don't, um, I don't really do a whole lot of sponsored videos. It's not really like the, the focus of my channel. And, uh, a lot of times it's, you know, like even with the Harley Benton guys, like Tolman doesn't pay me anything to do the videos. They send the gear. Sometimes they get to keep it. Sometimes they don't, which is nice. But again, you can't, can't feed your kids with, you know, a free hardly been base right um so sometimes we donate this stuff and sometimes we do other stuff the reason i'm telling you this is is i like to optimize the the views That's one of the things i focus on i've learned to really focus my channel to optimize to make as much money through through doing the patrons doing these live shows with the super chats doing the merchandise sales uh doing the um uh, ad revenues, right. Really focusing ad revenues, um, in, in a very specific way so that the, so that I can, you know, do this and be effective and, uh, and keep, and keep it fun for me. It's really, that's what it really, is. it's not a high and mighty thing, please. It's not that it's literally, it's gotta be fun for me. Um, sometimes it's not fun. Uh, I'm, I deal with a company this week that literally sucked the life right out of me. Um, and I was just doing it, uh, uh, I don't know why I was doing it. <laughs> so, so, I'm, so back to what I'm saying is it, you'll see all the videos kind of avalanche out in the next couple of weeks because between now and the end of the year, uh, the ad rates go up a little bit because it's the, the, the holidays. And so that's uh, great. So what's great is you'll see what, I'm, what I do is a lot of the videos that I think like a Harley Benton base view, video probably won't get a lot of views. Well, if I don't get a lot of views, but their ad revenues are up 20, 30%, at least that helps the channel do its thing, which is good. So there you go. That's how I focus that. Thank you, Tony, uh, for, for asking. And uh, and like I said, it'll be out uh, this week. Within the week, the video is out. So I'm scheduling them all. In fact, I can tell you, I won't let you see it quick. This. <laughs> These are all the videos that are out between now and the end of the year. <laughs> so I went through and, and and did it. There's the, that's there. Brad Miller says, speaking of lessons, I have a my 30-minute lesson with Larry Mitchell tomorrow. What should I focus on? Oh, you know, that's a great question, Brad. Um, and here's what I would, uh, here's what I recommend to do when you go to a lesson with someone like Larry Mitchell, Larry Mitchell is a professional guitar player. Um, and when you have an opportunity to do a lesson, here's what I would do. I would, uh, write down, you write it down. Don't, don't just put it in your head, write it down, write down, uh, two things. Okay. That you think that you, uh, have a deficiency on don't understand or need to work on. Okay. And then next to that, write down two questions that you would have for Larry or uh, this guitar, or this opportunity, two questions you have for this guitar player that you feel can help you. Like, here's a good example. I love this question. If you, I'll, I'll give you a couple. If you use these or use uh, versions of them, go with it. One question is, I like to ask really good guitar players is is I like to play my crappy lick that I like to play, (laughs) right? Whatever my lick is, right? I got a lick and I go, if you were going to make this just better with the least amount of effort, what would you do? right? And 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 I realized that because in 30 minutes, what happens if you can't teach you uh, a whole thing what you learned, but if they could teach you one thing, one lick, you feel like you got it, right? Um, you know, um, I did that to Marty Schwartz, by the way, and he, if you guys lately on my videos, you're like, oh, you're, you're, you're playing a little better. That literally was a question I asked Marty. I, I literally ha- hit him with, hey, if I could make this just a little better without putting any whole lot of hours of practice in what we do. And he was like, just do this. And I was like, Oh, that's way better than what I'm doing. So write a couple questions like that. You know, um, uh, you know, what do you recommend that I, what books do you recommend that I read what information? Right? So these are great things because you'll have them and they'll care. They'll be very focused. Now I'm telling you to do that, keeping in mind that you're probably not going to do any of that. You're probably not going to ask any of those questions. You're probably not going to have anything because uh, caliber players like him are going to be able to talk to you, analyze what what they see with you, and probably put you down on a road. But I would always have that stuff just in case because you never know with the guitar player. You don't want them to go, what do you want to work on? That's not what you want, okay? Uh, Because when they ask you that, you're now going to go, "Uh," and then sometimes your first thought is not the best thought. So that's why you want to write them down because when you write them down, not only will you remember them, but also after you write them down, you go, well, maybe I don't want, you know, like let me put it this way. It, what if he says, uh, hey, Brad, what would you like to work on? You're like, um, blues. And he goes, okay, let's do a one, four, five. And you're like, wait. And then later you're like, I don't even care about blues. Why did I say blues? <laughs> so write it down. A couple questions. Like I said, a couple questions and a couple things. And then, but like I said, look for those questions like, uh, you know, um, Uh, You know, what's a great way to make a pentatonic scale sound a little better? Uh, Is there a trick to, to, you know, have you learned any tricks? Like I said, analyze his his brain, not just his playing. Ask him questions like, do you know any good tricks to, you know, doing chord changes smoother? You know, I mean, if that's an area you want to work on, something like that. But like I said, have that in there. Always be prepared. Uh, so you can get the maximum, the most out of out of your time with the instructor. So, and then, like I said, treat it, Brad. And this is my last thing: treat it like a. Um, don't treat it like a guitar lesson, even though it is. Treat it like a tutoring session. You already play guitar. I always tell people, just just teeter. Te- he's not going to do a. See, so you go to lessons, ten lessons, hundred lessons, and you go through like a course, hopefully, of information with an instructor. When you take a lesson, definitely treat it like tutoring. You know and, and like if you were good at math but he's better at math you're like hey uh could you help me I, I have problems with this can you help me on this got any tricks to do this any better or remember this stuff like that um andrew's got a question says do you know of anyone donating guitars for kids that i okay wait let's do this again do you know if anyone donating guitars for kids that i am teaching that can't afford one i'm teaching seven kids with two of them uh, with my own guitars, can't afford to buy them. Yeah, Andrew, what I can tell you is, so obviously, uh, you know, I've done this in the past. I've sent guitars to teachers for after school programs. What's nice is is, uh, is, uh, um, the answer is yes. If you need to, uh, just send me a message to Phil, Andrew, ask at know your Gear, right? Ask know your, It's I'll put the link down. It's ask know your Gear at gmail.com. It's the email that's always accessible to me. Um, and then put what it is and what you need um, uh, here's what I do. I do a couple things. I'll reach out to friends. I reach out to my, my patrons. I reach out to you guys that watch. And sometimes I have some stuff too, depends on what you need. Um, a lot of times what I like to do is, uh, if I can, uh, if I can call in a favor or two with a company, sometimes, you know, I've, I've, you know, a lot of companies pay a lot of, for a lot of content, and I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't charge them, and I just did the content. So a lot of times, when I say, "Hey, you got a guitar, you can send to somebody like this," they they're really cool and maybe We maybe we'll probably take care of that. Um, right now, it's going to be a little tough because I'm I'm doing a, a project for a charity right now that I'm about to announce. Um, but even then, I can probably probably help you out a little at least, right? So that shouldn't be a problem. There you go. Uh, plus. This is a question that came up before, not with the live show but in the other thing which was sometimes I say no to companies for reviews because I don't think you guys will watch them but a lot of people are, ask, are asking for uh, donation type stuff right and um, and sometimes I think wow maybe I should uh, maybe I should do the review for the company and then that way I can have the product to send to the, to, the, to, the, to the people you know, so do, do whatever. I I try to provide, I try to help in the communities put as much music out there as possible. It's just about music for me. I just want to put as much music out there in the world as possible. So um, I don't want this to die. This is something I've enjoyed my whole life. And I, I, if I can bring that to anyone else, uh, that'd be great. Um, For sure. Uh, Let's see. Uh, How are we doing? Perfect. Okay. Let's see. um, hold on. Uh, Dan Duran (laughs) says, how much does a broken headstock on a Les Paul bring down the value? Um, I I don't know if it's quantif I don't know if I could qualify it with a percentage like 30% drop. Um, so I'll do it from the hip. I'm going to shoot from the hip on this and try to see if I can so if I was gonna say, like if I was looking right now at a used Gibson Les Paul Standard and somebody was asking eighteen hundred dollars for it, because they go for about fifteen hundred to almost two grand, depending on what they are, right? When you're looking so if I was looking at a Les Paul standard and somebody said eighteen hundred bucks for it, and I was reading it and it said, Oh, had broken headstock and repaired, the repair. First of all, the broken headstock brings out the value, but then the type of repair brings the value back up or down. In other words, how good it was done. Like I did it myself or professionally done by a shop that's known for doing great repairs or how quality the repair is. Like um, that helps as well. But uh, that being said, um, if I was reading it, I'm just giving a guess. If I was reading it and it said $1,800 for Les Paul and then it said uh, broken headstock, I would expect to pay like $1,200. So. $600 hit the thing that's great about that is it still has a good value i don't say a lot about it has good value because players want it they don't care if it's been broken as long as it's been fixed right because they're gonna play it right but anyone collecting them or just wanting it you know because they want always wanted to give some less paul to stare at <laughs> that's a thing by the way guys i'm sorry but sometimes we buy stuff just because you know you want it for 20 years and then you get it and you stare at it So, so, um, hopefully you play it, but some people stare at it So, anyways. Um, uh, but yeah, that's what I would expect. I don't know. Some of you guys might have some cool reactions to that too. I always like it when you guys put stuff reacting to what I'm saying. Um, this is just, you know, it's nice to have a conversation about this. (laughs) So, uh, let's see. Okay. Um, okay. Somebody's in the chat moved. Let's see. Oh, Tony just said, okay. So just funny. He says just my two cents. I prefer the previous camera angle. Uh, the guitar seemed to be too far away to admire. Yeah, this is not, this is, you'll see what's going on there. Uh, there's just, there's something new coming just changes. It's a efficiency of flow. I'm trying to increase the amount of videos I make. So there's only one way to do this when you, you know, it's like anything in life, you either have to increase, I have to decrease the hours I work or have to make more efficient use of the hours I'm currently working. So you're gonna see more videos coming out because I'm making more of efficient system to make videos. Because if there's one thing that I definitely get comments on my emails about is that they're seeing, everybody would like more videos (laughs) and my family, they would like me to hang out with them, so uh, I'm trying to figure out the math on that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Any other good questions? Last things, exciting. Anything before we go? Uh, David Muna says, "Where did you purchase that Tajima? I bought it online on Reverb, and you know I probably should give the seller a shout out. Let me give you an exam. Let me look. Let me go on my Reverb, um, and I'm pretty sure. Hold on, I have to switch." I have two reverb accounts because um one is a business account and one is a personal one. So many was asking me about that. They're like, why do you have two? I'm like, uh it's because one's personal, one's business. So um, in fact, I messed up this week and I put a personal item on the business one, and then I immediately my wife was like, That's wrong. I'm like, Oh, she fixed it before anybody bought it. Um, okay, so Let's go back. Hold on a second. So, but the nice thing is on my personal one is I, that's where I like to, you know, when I buy stuff, I try. I like the fact that it's they they don't know who I am. Um, okay. Purchases. Uh, because um, you guys always say, oh, because they knew it was you, they make it better. Um so I bought on reverb and the seller was Fry Guitars. Fry like F R Y Fry Guitars. Um they're in Arkansas. Give them a shout-out. Fry guitars, very cool guitar, very good deal. Um and um this is cool. They even had an uh, buy it or uh, buy it now, but they had to ask, you know, I make an offer and I made them an offer and it was very reasonable. I asked for ten percent off and they gave it to me. So can't hate that, right? So that's where I bought it. Um, I think when I was looking the other day, it looked like most of them are gone. <laughs> so it looks like, yeah, hey, that video did uh, well. They uh, Tajima sold some good guitar, or a lot of guitars. I'm glad for them. I'm, I'm glad. So um, they seem like, you know, a cool company. Um and then Dave wants to know if I'm going to sell it. Uh, probably not. What's What's that, What's going to happen with that guitar? Is it's going to it's getting a Sharp Max uh, on it. So, you know, and then uh, that's I don't know. what We're going to do from from that point. Um, uh, we'll see. It's actually part of a two part Sharp Max. I'm doing a Sharp Max. There's some um, on the list. I don't know if you guys saw it <laughs> when I had the dry race board. There's five Sharp Maxes and uh coming and uh one is has two guitars in it and it's to it's uh you'll see you'll see what it is so um okay um uh, yeah the daylight savings so you guys know uh it, yeah i know it's always weird okay and any last questions before i go you guys were awesome today Uh, somebody asked if I can do the Harmony Silhouette reissue. Um, Jeff Harper says, "Why did why did the Yamaha Pacifica one twelve and two twelve uh, never get mentioned much?" Um, the uh, I don't know. Uh, you know uh, this year. I may I may have I may have mis I don't know, miscalculated but I messed up somehow. Uh, this is fourth quarter obviously. <laughs> so I analyzed my channel by quarter and now that I realize that there's less than 2 months left in the year, I realized that I did far less reviews this year than last year. Uh, it was a very significant drop in reviews. I did this year. I did more. I did. I did way more non-review videos. So I did a lot of more. So I leaned on more of the stuff that I thought you guys wanted, which was like the more of the here, here's the you know fun fact videos and how to videos and and stuff. And um, I really dropped the ball on the review side of it. And so uh, I'm trying to increase that back up a little bit because it seems you know I don't know. So I don't know why it happened. You know, you can't, I don't, sometimes you can't focus on everything. Um, okay. And on that note, uh, we just got one last super chat. So Michael, with the last question, it says, uh, evening, everyone. First time caller here. I uh, wanted to say, thanks. Do you have any experience with agile guitars and or headless guitars specifically? Um, yes, I have experience with agile guitars. I have worked on many agile guitars. And uh, here's what I can tell you, uh, agile guitars to me, and I've said this before, like SX, which is both of those guitar brands come from Rondo Music. If you guys are curious what we're talking about, I'll link Rondo Music in the index when I do this. Um, agile guitars were to me, Harley Benton before Harley Benton. It was this crazy cool guitar where you could get a lot of guitar for some short money. Uh, they were definitely one of those first brands that kicked that before anybody else. Um, the ones I worked on have always been Uh, one of two categories, they've been way better than the price. Like, wow, how much is this? And the customer would be like 350 bucks. I'm like, wow, I thought this would be 600 bucks, really good quality. And then I've had a couple, like I had one where it came in and we worked on it. And, um, it was funny. We took the pickups out and it was supposed to be like mahogany maple top. And it was definitely not mahogany and it was definitely not maple top. So it was like a, all basswood or something. And we, uh, the customer actually reached out to Rondo and Rondo said, uh, please, uh, I don't know if they wanted him to send it to him or they took pictures, but they wanted to see because they said, obviously, the factory did that without them knowing. Um, so there is that, that being said. But that being said, uh, I do have an Agile guitar here. A viewer sent an Agile guitar here uh, for a review, and I'm going to do a review of the Agile guitar. It's a weird Agile guitar. <laughs> it's not headless, but it's weird. So I'll be doing that review. Um, but very good stuff. So like I said, check them out. It's really cool um i haven't checked out their headless guitars so maybe i should so that would be cool i would like to really find some alternatives to harley benton stuff seems like everybody's tried i, I feel like like I said i've said this before i've done a couple of harley bentons now i like them they're cool but i kind of feel like i'm just adding to a pile of videos that you could already find and some of you guys said well i'd like to see your viewpoint on it or your thought process through it and uh, although i appreciate that I also feel like it'd be more exciting to find something new and exciting. I'm trying to find more stuff that's new and exciting. So, uh, so there you go. On that note, I'm gonna let you guys go. There's 180 likes. I appreciate that. There's nine dislikes. I, I actually appreciate that too. Uh, so, on that note, I'll let you guys have a great weekend, and I will see you next Friday. Uh, look forward to the uh, look for the videos this week. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe uh, because you know, it just helps the channel and I appreciate it. And as always, uh, I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me this Friday and uh, until next week, uh, know your gear. You guys have a great weekend. Oops. Hey, goodbye.